Welcome to the Alito Bearcats Coaches Show podcast from Real Country 92.1 Hank FM. Brought to you by H5 Sports Barn in Alito. Recorded live every Monday night at 7 from the new Jake's Burgers in Alito. And now with Alito Bearcats head coach Robbie Jones, the voice of the Bearcats, Kevin Longquist. First and 10 for the Bearcats at their 25. Ball on the near hash. Hoss Haney stands in the shotgun as always. Quick throw out to the right side, and that's it to Guillory. Across the 25, 30, 35, 40. Man to beat down the sideline. Midfield, 40, 30, 20, 10. Touchdown, Alito Bearcats. Heck of a way to start the 2023 season, and thank you all for joining us here at Jake's Burgers here in Alito. Just opened this location on August the 18th. We want to thank everybody for being here. We want to thank the staff at Jake's for being a part of this, and a lot of folks who had played a role in this. This is an idea that came to us at the end of July, thinking of, could we even get this thing off the ground? But a lot of hard work behind the scenes to get this show started. First of all, I'm Kevin Lonquist. We're joined by head coach Robbie Jones, who wins his opener. Congratulations, coach, to you on that. Uh, thank you. So again, our thanks to LKCM president Jerry Schlegel, program director Mark Phillips, general sales manager Norma Savage and her staff, for getting this going, and then of course, great cooperation from the Alito ISD, Dr. Susan Bone, our superintendent, and athletic director, Brandy Bilk. And what we plan to do with this show throughout the course of the football season, for now, is to talk to Robbie Jones following every game on Friday. We'll not have one for the bye, that'll be the one that'll be leading up to the end of October, but throughout the course of the football season, of course, for all of us who follow Alito, I think the idea is that you wanna have this at least the fr- Monday before, uh, before the Saturday before Christmas, and then we'll have invited guests. In fact, we have two guests with us this evening. We'll have them in the second segment. That's quarterback Hoss Haney, linebacker Devon Keys. Again, thank you all for me. Now, a reminder to you all, if you've not seen this, that the kickoff for Friday's game at Denton Geyer is no longer 7 o'clock. That's going to be a 7.30 start up at the Collins Complex, so want to make your plans ahead of time so you can get up there for that. And if not, of course, you can listen to us here on Hank FM. Again, 7.30 kickoff, pregame show is at 7 o'clock. All right, so let's get to it, Coach, about that opening play of the game against Parish Episcopal. And take us through that. I know you talked about wanting to get kind of get the season off to a right start, positive play. Right. You got a new running back in Ray Guillory, and so... What was kind of the idea of going into that play, and what did you think you all could get out of that? Yeah, we knew through the game plan that uh, that play had a good chance of, of going the distance. Uh, if we could get it blocked right, we, we knew that you know it was going to be a very good play for us, and, and we wanted to get a, a positive play right off the bat, and uh, we were able to do that. Our receivers did a great job of blocking. Uh, if you go back and look at that, you can see Colton McCoy, uh, basically pancaked their outside linebacker. He drove him about 15 yards and then put him on his back. You know, and, and those types of blocks by the receivers lead to big plays. We talk about with players, and, or sp- skilled players rather, who have the ability to get to the edge and turn that corner. And that's one thing we saw from Guillory here. Of course, he's the uh, running back moving from Mansfield Lake Ridge High School. But when you all got him and started working with him in the offseason, more importantly in spring, what showed you that he could bring that pass catching element to your offense as far as running backs are concerned Uh, we knew it coming in uh we've seen him do it we saw him do it during spring uh you know 
he, he's a special uh, back right now, you know, as a sophomore. And we're, we're looking for a, a lot of progress from him, you know, throughout the year and then, you know, in the next few seasons uh, with him. Let's talk a little bit about the change, too, because with his presence, Hawk Daniels, who was the primary running back last year, moves to the slot. But you can kind of use him two ways. You can use him as a slot receiver. You can also line him up in the backfield. And we saw that a little bit in both in both positions and was very successful. Ideally, what we saw against Parrish on Friday, is that what you're looking for as the season progresses? Yeah, and we're going to use him more in the slot uh, as the season goes on. He, he had an injury from the, the scrimmage that required him to miss Monday and Tuesday practice. So he didn't get as much work at the slot uh, as we would like to have liked to have had. So we didn't play him there as much uh, last week. Uh, he had a really good practice today at the slot. So, you know, we're looking for him to, you know, catch a lot of balls downfield for us, uh, use that speed, and then also we'll use him in the backfield quite a bit, especially, you know, if Ray has several long runs, we'll we'll bring Hawk back there and get him some carries. We talked in the pregame show interview with you about the return of Trace Clarkson. Five catches, 92 yards, a touchdown. I mean, I, 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 I don't know how much you can parallel how much his excitement was just not only just getting back out there for the opening play, but then the way he performed. What did you think that meant to him to just be out there? Uh, it meant a lot to him. You know, it, it hurt him last year. You know, when he hurt his knee uh, in spring last year and, and he knew he was going to miss the whole season, you know, it kind of devastated him a little bit because he, he wants to be on the football field. He wants to contribute. And, you know, to have a big game like he did, that's what we were expecting from him. And when he, he attacked that rehab from that knee injury, and he came back as a, a better football player than what he was uh, before he got hurt. And it showed Friday night. Six different receivers caught a pass on, on Friday against Parrish. Ideally, I mean, and we talked about the number of weapons that this offense has. Kind of what, we want, what you want to see, what this staff wants to see, continuing with getting Denton Geyer on Friday and then moving forward, of course, when district season gets started. Yeah, I mean, we, we've got a lot of weapons. Uh, we've got guys in backup rows that would start for us most years. And, and we talk to them, you know, daily about, hey, listen, we can't be selfish. We can't just think about, hey, I'm not getting enough touches. It's all about the team and, and what, what's best for the team and what's going to work best for the team uh, week to week. Some weeks, uh, one receiver might get more uh, receptions than he does, you know, in other weeks. And, and we just got to think of it as a, a team concept. Coaches always want to look at the film after every game played, and of course, a lot of penalties in that game on Friday night, 23 between, the, between both teams. I, but when you looked at the film with your staff, Saturday even into Sunday, what were your takeaways from what you saw? Yeah, we had a lot of positives. Uh, we had a lot of positives. You know, the run game uh, is a lot better this year early than it was last year at this point. Uh, that was a great positive. You know, the penalties was a big negative, but when we went back and looked at some of the penalties, I felt like some of them were kind of ticky-tacky type, you know, calls, you know, made by some of the officials. You know, some of them were legitimate. Yeah, and there were a couple of, I guess, you know, Kyle Hicks, our analyst, and I were talking about maybe of a couple of the PIs, and there were kind of questionable on that, especially one, I think, on Chris Johnson earlier. But nonetheless, you know, those are things that can get, get cleaned up. A lot of technical work, I would suppose, there. But what was kind of your message to your team about just making sure that we can be a little bit cleaner, a little bit smarter in moving forward? Yeah, that, that was an emphasis right after the game was, hey, we got to be cleaner next week. You know, if we get that many penalties against Denton Geyer, uh, it showed last year when we made mistakes against a really good football team like Geyer is, 
you know, that that's going to go the wrong way for us. You know, and, you know, that game should have been a lot closer than it was last year, but the mistakes that we made, you know, as a young football team last year led to, you know, the lopsided score that we had. You know, you, you mentioned a, a really interesting point about last year's season opener. A lot of issues in the red zone which, where the offense really struggled. But the way that offense grew, I don't, th- you know, this is my 18th season doing the Bearcats. And I don't think I've ever seen an offense progress from game one to what it turned out to be game 16 as on a meteoric pace, if you will, kind of like with this offense. If you had to step back and look at that, what did that say to you about how, where that offense was and how it finished? You know, and, and we knew going in that we, we might have some struggles early. We, were, we went against two really strong teams. Uh, we really didn't have the right personnel in the right spots in the first game. Uh, we started getting the people in the right spot, you know, and by the second game, then we continued to, to move some people around, you know, and we put, when we finally got the people where we needed them, you know, we started seeing the offense progress. And, you know, we, we stress on getting better each and every day. Uh, we get better each day, then we get better week by week, and that's what happened last year. And, and, and a big credit to that was, you know, our, the leadership of our quarterback. So going back to... Friday night against Parrish, obviously one of, one of the compelling elements, at least I thought, was the fact that your quarterback, Haas, only two carries in the game for 12 yards minus the two-point conversion there. And I don't know if the game plan really called for that, but obviously we know what a dynamic runner he is. And he was nearly 1,300 yards rushing last year. But, but kind of talk about what your philosophy is with Haas and how you all want to use him with his wheels because it's such a great weapon to go along with his arm. But how do you all see that playing out as 2023 progresses? Uh, he, he's going to run the ball quite a bit. You know, uh, well, there were some run plays uh, in the game plan. We didn't need them. Uh, if, if there's a need for him to run the football, we're going to run the football with Haas. But if we're, we're in a, a situation like we were the other night where the run game was strong with our tailbacks, we're going to try to take some of the hits off of our quarterback and, and him not have to take unnecessary, you know, hits. Uh, and, you know, when we get into the big games you know, where, you know, it, it's do or die, then it changes a little bit. You know, we, we say, hey, we got to have the win. You know, we're going to do, you know, pull out all stops. You know, if that means we're going to run the quarterback more, we'll run the quarterback more. I want to get your thoughts, too, because now you get the first game behind you in your coaching career. And even though you've been an offensive coordinator for you know, many, many years, you've been with the program for 24 seasons, and there's always that nervousness of going through that first game or just trying to, do I take the down, do I take the sack? You, know, you, you did have one situation where you could have elected to take a penalty on a holding penalty, but you took a sack, and then it worked into your favor where you got to stop. But as you are becoming, coming with those decisions where you have to use a, sp- a phrase, the buck stops here. <laughs> but let's talk a little bit about how you kind of get more comfortable with making those kinds of decisions because it can dictate the flow of a game and just the way it goes. Right. And that's going to happen throughout the season. I'm, I'm going to get more and more comfortable with that you know, as the season goes on. Those are things that I haven't had to do. Now, I knew in the back of my mind when uh, situations were coming up, you know, throughout the years of what I thought we needed to do, you know, uh, and and for the most part, you know, I was right with them a lot of times because that's what Coach Buchanan was doing. And and that probably came from the familiarity, you know, I have with him, you know, being with him for so long, you know, uh, I've learned through the years, you know, what to do in certain situations. You know, we had that sack, so we had a, a loss of yardage to go along with that loss of down. 
So that was the reason why, you know, I chose to, you know, decline the, the holding penalty, take the loss, and the loss are down. So let's turn our attention to Denton Geyer, who will be here. Again, this is the first of a two 15-minute segment, and our second segment will be visiting with Haas Haney and Devon Keys. But let's just talk about the Geyer Wildcats, who you all will see. Again, a game last year that was a little bit lopsided. It was a, it was a game where I think the penalty, you know, the, some issues in the kicking game in the second quarter really kind of turned that upside down. They scored three touchdowns, where I think they started at the least at your 26. But... You know, going against a, a team like this, they've been to the state semifinals the last four consecutive years. They got three Division One commits on that team. Just talk about that challenge of what you know that team's going to have. They're coming off a 42 to 14 victory over Rockwall Heath. Yeah, the the biggest challenge is the size of them. You know, they they average I'm going to say 280, 285 across the board on the offensive line. So those guys, they're huge uh, on the offensive line. Then they, on their defensive line, they got two 285-pound guys there as well. You know, so that's that's going to be one of the big challenges. Is you know they're going to be a bigger football team than us. Uh, and then you know athletically, you know they have guys just as athletic as our guys. You know, so you know it, it's going to be a, a, a tough game for us. You know, last year, you know the mistakes that we made. You know, if we could have just eliminated those mistakes, that was going to be a really good football game. You know, uh, we, we had times where we were moving the football on them, and then all of a sudden, you know, they strip us and, and take the ball from us. You know, then we'd have a, a snap over our quarterback's head that would kill a, a, a series. You know, and then, you know, when we had those bad things happen, and then all of a sudden we're in the punt formation, and we snap the ball, you know, over our punter's head and give them the ball inside the 22 times. You know, it, it led to a lopsided score of what would have been a, a pretty good football game. Yeah, and keep in mind, too, that this is a Class 6A team. We just mentioned a few moments ago that they played in four consecutive state semifinals in their division. Their quarterback this year, Logan McLaughlin, against Rockwall Heath uh, on Friday night in the victory, 10 out of 15, 197 yards, three touchdowns. Mentioned their commits. Wide receiver Josiah Martin, who we saw, well, we saw all these guys last year, but wide receiver Josiah Martin has committed to Boston College. Defensive back Eli Bowen, a national recruit, has committed to Oklahoma. And their offensive lineman, Willie Goodacre, has committed to Syracuse. Now, you already have seven commits, five of the Division I variety, two from the FCS variety. But I want you to talk about when you, you – know, but this is why you want to play games like this in the non-district because it doesn't hurt you one way or the other, if you will, because you're getting yourself for bigger and better things, and competition like this will only make you stronger. And I would think that that's probably – the, the ultimate benefit that comes from playing a game like this. Yeah, I mean, that's the big benefit is you, you place a very quality opponent. Uh, you get to see how well you do against a, a, a bigger, you know, opponent. And, you know, and, and they're good enough to where, you know, if we have some weaknesses, they're going to expose those weaknesses, and then we need to work on getting those things fixed. Now, we, we know this in realignment that Alito is only going to play two non-district games, and then you immediately turn into district play a week from Friday when you all play host to Justin Northwest. But when you all went through that phase last year of only playing two non-district games, because the tradition is that everyone's going to play three unless you're in a six-team district and everyone's going to play five. But when you only have two and then you've got to get into district play without a bye or anything of that nature, what was the greatest adjustment that this coaching staff made last year because of what how immediate that is? Yeah, I mean, there, there wasn't a whole lot of adjustment, you know, the biggest adjustment last year was not only did we just have two and we had two strong quality opponents, but then we opened district on a Thursday night. That was the biggest adjustment. We, we had to speed up the, the, the game plan process. 
you know, get it installed, you know, get the kids, you know, in the right frame of mind because we had just come off two losses, something we're not used to doing. And uh, once we were able to, to get that going and, and we had a really quick start in that game, if you remember, yep. uh, I believe they, they basically had some of the bad turnovers like we had had the week before against Guyer. And that's the way I kind of compared the game when I talked to Coach Poe after the game. I said, man, y'all, y'all have bad stuff happen to y'all like we had, you know, the previous week, you know, but, you know, we, 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 you know, have a way we do things, and we're going to continue to do those things the same way, and, and you know, we didn't have to speed up, uh, you know, any type of process of getting ready. You know, we, we get ready every week the same way. So let's just talk a little bit about, uh, you know, just laying out your plan. How much do you kind of lay out a plan of a season in terms of just scheduling that sort of thing? Did you, did you do a lot of it, like, during the spring or in the fall, or excuse me, in the summer about how you want your schedules to look as you're getting ready week to week, that sort of thing. Uh, as far as the schedules, as you know, we're, we're planning out our offense and how our offense is going to get installed. Uh, we do that, you know, starting in the spring. Uh, we'll, we'll install basic stuff in the spring, get all the basics learned, and then once we start getting in the summer, we start adding a little bit, and then, you know, when the kids know all the basics, uh, you know, of our offense and the defense, then when we start game planning, we start tweaking, you know, some of the things. And we try to attack defenses, you know, with things like the first play of the game the other night. You know, that's something that we haven't done a whole lot of, you know. But we saw that, you know, the way they align, you know, we can take advantage of it. And, and we tweak the offense, you know, week to week. So you bring up a good point about all of, you know, of just implementing your offense with the number of guys that were coming back. Was it more of an implementation this offseason, or was it just kind of a refinement? It, it was pretty much a refinement, you know. Uh, for the most part, you know, now moving Hawk from running back to receiver, that was, you know, an adjustment we had to make, you know, on a daily basis. You know, but the other guys, you know, for the most part, Tyson Timms knew exactly what he's doing, you know, on all the basic plays. So we were just refining a little bit with him. Uh, Clarkson, Clarkson has a very high football IQ. And it, you know, things come to him real easy. We can move him around from place to place. Caden uh, Finley was a freshman last year, so the varsity offense was quite a bit different than what he had been doing in middle school. But when we saw him in spring ball, you know, he knew, you know, most of what we were already putting in. So let's talk a little bit about the fact that bring going back to last Friday's game in the fact that you played Hosses pretty much heir apparent and Gavin Beard the sophomore he got a little burn last year but he got a couple series he got a little bit of playing time in the yeah. second quarter and a lot of playing time toward, pretty much to finish the game is that kind of the plan coming into it or how or how are you all and and how much do you want to try and get him in two games this year as it kind of progresses yeah with him, with him being a sophomore we want to get him in some meaningful game reps you know which is why we brought him in in the second quarter uh, and, and you know, we want to do that, you know, for a couple of different reasons. You know, if ever we have to sit Haas for, you know, whatever reason, and we got to go with Beard this year for a game, he needs to have that game experience, and then, you know, he is their parent next year. And normally a sophomore who could possibly be the starter the following year is on the JV, and he's getting all kind of reps on the JV, you know, every basically every rep on the JV. We don't have that luxury because, you know, we don't have an upperclassman that can be the backup quarterback and get us out of the situation uh, if we get in one in a game. We have to have uh, Gavin on the, on the varsity. So we're going to get him in, you know, in games where we can uh, in the first half. You know, and then, of course, when we get him in late in the game when we got a big lead, 
you might see us, you know, spreading the ball around a little bit more than what we used to in the past. You know, in the past, you know, we go in and we just hand the ball off over and over and over. Well, we need to get Gavin as well as some of our backup receivers some quality reps. We're coming to you from the new Jake's location here on 1187 for the home, the new home of the Alito Coaches Show. And every Monday night at 7 o'clock here, we'll be visiting with Robbie Jones, players, assistant coaches. Might even have that athletic director over to my right. Uh, she's, she's saying no, but she's going to get on here sooner or later. So, But she will be joining us here. And so we're going to take a couple moments to kind of get Haas and Devon over here. But we want to remind you, too, that H5 Sports Bar and N9 Physio and Performance can help unlock your athletic potential and elevate your game like the Alito Bearcats with expert sports physical therapy, tailored recovery plans, and top-notch sports performance training. H5 Sports Barn, proud supporters of the Alito Bearcats. We'll take a couple minute timeout. We'll come back here and we'll pick it up with Haas and Devon. Thanks for joining us. We'll be right back. And welcome back to segment two of the Alito Coaches Show. I'm Kevin Longquist, voice of the Bearcats. We're now joined by two of the heroes in Friday night's 50 to 35 victory over Parish Episcopal. That's linebacker Devon Keys. To my far left and to my immediate left is quarterback Haas. Any everybody, give them a please warm welcome for this. All right, gentlemen. So we'll start off with Devon, who had two interceptions, one a pick six. And Haas threw for 197 yards and the two-point conversion that will give the call for you here in just a little bit. But let's just talk about, Devon, I'm going to talk to you about this because you said something in the post-game show with Mercedes. Uh, I want to talk more about the second interception. I'll get to the pick six anyway because I know you've scored enough touchdowns anyway. But let's just talk about the second interception where that was a seam to the running back where you read that and you were able to climb into the air right at midfield and, and make the interception on that. I want you to take every, for those who did not hear it, that call or at least the interview after the game, I want you to take everyone through that, your preparation and then just the play itself, because the way you diagnose that, I think a lot of people would be interested in hearing that. So throughout the week, so throughout the week we've been preparing, uh, watching film from last year. Last year I got beat on the exact same route. It was just a simple running back screen. And so this year we've been repping it all week. Then by the time the game comes, they line up in a certain formation. And once they line up there, I know exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to get their running back out and they're trying to get me from the middle of the field. And from all the preparation, I was able to jump the route. And it really all goes thanks to Coach McCone for really stressing it to me and being able to pick it up. Okay, so let's talk about now the pick six, 17 yards. And that was like so instant. I mean, it's like you can't even react on it. It's like, just take us through what you saw there because it was so rapid how it, how it developed. So... The pick six was very similar. Coach McCone stressed it throughout the week. They said they're an RPO heavy team. Be ready for the hitch screens, the slant screens. So we had trips to our right. I saw the quarterback peeking, looking for the hitch screen. And right once I saw the quarterback pull the ball, I took off and ran. And that's it. We have two, now remember these two are of the seven verbal commits that this program has. Devon is committed to LSU. Haas committed right down the road to TCU. That's where mom and dad went to school. And I want to talk to you, Haas, because in your recruiting, we'll get to your game here in a second, but I want to talk to you a little bit about your recruiting process because you, at the beginning of your process, you committed to Duke. You had gone out there, you went through their camps, you had their junior day, that sort of thing. And then 
All, and then, of course, the TCU offer comes in later, and then you eventually flip to the Horn Frogs. Just what was this recruiting experience like for you to just deal with this and understand all the stresses that come with a process like this? You know, first of all, it was a blessing. You know, it's something I've dreamed of my whole life to, you know, be able to play the game at the next level. And it really went fast. You know, I, after the junior season, um, you know, Duke started talking to me heavily. Their offensive coordinator, Kevin Johns. And, you know, we had a really good relationship. He was talking to me once a day and just, you know, really stressing about how much he cared about me as a person before a football player. And he, he obviously, you know, loved what I brought to the table when it came to football. But, um, you know, he, he was texting my parents, checking in on them, asking, asking how my brothers were and that sort of thing. So um, Duke had a special place in my heart. And that was really the only people talking to me at the beginning. And um, it was special for me because they were the first school to come around. And then, you know, I went on the junior day visit and, I really enjoyed it and you know I felt comfortable there so after the visit I talked to my parents sat down and they were on board with me and I decided to commit because I didn't know what else I was gonna have coming and uh, I didn't want that spot to get taken because um, Duke's a really great university academically and their football programs on the come up but right after I committed all these other schools that have been schools of interest for me for my whole life um, started rolling in and talking to me and I was like gosh this is going to be a tough decision because not only TCU and then Baylor and then Oklahoma State all these schools that you know I've dreamed of you know being, being able to play for and for, for me TCU like you said both my parents went there and it has a special place in my heart you know they had me while they were in college and I grew up going to all the TCU games growing up in the locker room getting spatted by the trainers you know just really being a part of TCU and um Coach Brow is their OC now. He came from Arkansas. I had a relationship with him when he was in Arkansas my freshman year. And I went on a visit up there and really enjoyed my time just visiting with him. And um, my dad was with me, and he really liked it up there. And then he came to TCU, and I was like, wow, this, this is a great fit for me. I fit in his offense, RPO-style offense, where he likes a running-style quarterback. And, you know, I just like him as a coach, too, and as a person. And... You know, TCU's right down the road. It'll be easy for me to see my family whenever I want to. And, you know, TCU's always in my dream school. So it just worked out perfectly when I made the decision to commit to TCU. You learned the, what, the first thing about recruiting is that the recruiting really starts after you make the commitment. And then that's when everyone starts to jump in. And it makes it ten times worse. Yeah, I found that, I found that out really fast. You know, it's, it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. You know, you're always... You know, trying to respond to coaches when you can, and it takes up a lot of time. You know, trying to build a relationship with the coach, and um, that's all I got to say about yeah. that. And Devon, you kind of went through that because when you were ready to announce for LSU, boom, the Alabama co offer comes in, and so that's trying to, you know, how this. So you kind of learned about the pressure that comes with it, and how everything starts to become chaotic. What was it like for you to try and make that decision? So overall, the decision wasn't too hectic. Uh, trying to navigate all the offers was but actually finding the schools I was interested in wasn't too hard uh, I took visits to select schools schools that I really could see myself playing at schools that fit my play scheme and schools that I had the best relationship with the coaches and that narrowed it down to about four or five schools and the LSU visit just blew me away and once I stepped foot on campus I knew that's just where I wanted to be. 
Congratulations to both of you. Okay, so Haas, let's go back to Friday night's game. Your maturation of the quarterback, when I was doing the sidelines last year, you and I talked several times about just your growth. I remember talking about that smash route to Gavin in the game against the Colony where that seemed like it took off for you. But in this offseason for you, what was your areas of focus on how do I become a better passer, distributor, game manager, that sort of thing? You know, it goes back to spring ball, just really honing in on the offense a little more. Going into last season, you know, spring ball was okay, and, you know, I was still trying to understand, you know, the, you know, the, the fast playingness of the game. You know, it was a lot faster. I wasn't used to it. And, you know, throughout the season, I just got more comfortable just being in the pocket and just trusting, trusting the offensive play call and trusting what the defense gave me, trusting my eyes and just having fun and just being myself and, you know, playing with instincts. And, you know, going into after the season, going into spring ball, it was just taking it to the next level of understanding. And that's really what it's been about, and using my eyes. My eyes just kind of get bad, and, you know, that's one of my inaccuracy uh, comes into play. And really it's just been, yeah, honing in on that. And yeah, that's what I'm going to work on the rest of the season. So let's talk a little. By the way, for both for those who don't know, both of these guys are great track runners. Devon runs on. I think you're on the JV uh, or the second uh, uh, relay team there. And then Haas is your district or your reigning district 100 meter champion. And I want to have you all hear what it was like when Alito scored its second touchdown. They opted to go for two. This was so much fun. This was almost like watching a track meet as a sprint to the pylon. 34 yards for Guillory on that play as the Bearcats line up to go for two. As Haney will take it. He has a block to the outside, tries to win the foot race to the pylon, and he will convert it. Just pure speed. That's why your district <laughs> champion in the 100 gets that play, because he just wins that race to the pylon. It's a two-point conversion. The Bearcats are up now by a count of 15 to seven. You're listening to a little Bearcats. Well, the funny thing about that play is, I mean, that just reminded me of your, it's kind of like you're going here, the, they're trying to get the angle, and it's like, I'm going to win this race. And I, it's my best against your best, and let's see who comes out. Is that kind of how, take me through that play. Uh, yeah, formation after we score a touchdown, it's called gate, and, you know, we're trying to catch the defense off guard, and, you know, I was hoping that coach was going to call this play when we line up in that formation. And you're exactly right. That's what it turned into is who can get to the pylon first. And, you know, I happened to get the edge and uh, get the touchdown. So it was a track race. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's uh, – first of all, for you guys recruiting-wise, um, are you all going to be arriving at LSU and TCU in January or summer? What are your plans for that? I'll be arriving in January. Okay. Haas? I'll be going in January. January, okay. So what that means, for those who don't know from a recruiting standpoint – that when these guys arrive in January to enroll in school, they will be able to go through spring football with both the Tigers and the Horn Frogs. So they'll get important snaps. And then once they go through fall workouts in fall of 20 or August of 2024, they will have already had about 15 spring practice for division one programs is 15. So you can take most college programs will take those in March and run those through April is typically how it runs. But those will be invaluable for both of you guys to at least get familiar with this system rather than trying to play catch up in the fall. So, OK, so guys, let's talk a little bit about this game coming up with Denton Geyer. Of course, you all lost this game last year. 44-14, a lot of mistakes in the special teams, but, and I thought it was interesting because it was really toe-to-toe -to -toe early until the mistakes really cost you guys, but 
when you think back on that game and how it might be maybe defined your or gave you a, a resolve for this that coming season, what did you take out of the game, Devon? So, so last year, uh, we were really young, inexperienced. We were still trying to put people in their correct places, trying to figure out who would be the starting running back, who would be the starting safety, who's going to be our starting corners. And athletically, we could compete and stand toe-to-toe with Ben Geyer, but they had all their spots solidified. They had the experience actually playing with each other, and we hadn't quite had that. So athletically, we stood uh, together with them, but then once the mistakes started piling up, you could really tell the experience starting to take over. Ross, what about for you? It was just taking care of the little things, um, and it goes back to what Devon Sanders' experience. You know, from that, from their standpoint, they got the experience, and you know they played in big games like that before, and they're just out there playing instinctively and having fun, which allows you to run around the field and play faster. And for us, we were out there. We didn't know what we were doing. We were like, yeah, we were athletic, and we could stand toe to toe with them, like Devon said, but we weren't comfortable out there on the field, and. Um, you know, I think that's going to be uh, it's going to be a different game this year because we do have the experience going into this year, and we still have the same you know level of athletes this year. And now all we got to do is go out there and execute. Let's talk a little about last year's game real quick because as a quarterback, you're always going to look at other quarterbacks and just study you know little things that you can pick up on. How do I? What does he do that maybe I can use into my game? So when you were perhaps maybe watching Jackson Arnold, who's now at the University of Oklahoma, what did you see in his game? Saying like, you know, I could use, I, I like what he does there, and maybe I can fit this in. What did you see from him? He's got a very, he's got a very good throwing imagination. He's just a gamer. You know, he can see open grass, and he's going to throw his receiver. And he had a lot of trust with his receivers, knowing that they could go up and make great catches, knowing that he could throw it to this spot, and they were going to get there. And you know, he was very good in the pocket, very. Um, just comfortable back there, knowing how to, you know, make defensive defensive ends move, miss tackles, and he was able to escape the pocket and extend plays that, you know, possibly could have been, you know, broken down really early. You know, we had 16 pressures in that game that could have led to sacks, but just him being such a gamer and such a great football player, just having such great awareness, he was able to, you know, make bad plays turn into good plays. So yeah, was, he kept getting frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure he did, but. Yeah. Uh, let's talk. Okay, so this coming Friday night, what's going to be the key for this defense against it? Because, you know, Josiah Martin, one of, their top, one of their top receivers, is back. New quarterback, though, in Logan McLaughlin. But what do you all see on film that's going to present the greatest challenge for you, Devon? I think the key on defense will, will be limiting mistakes. Um, we all know how to play our defense. We all know how to play base. We all know all the different variations. And just limiting our mistakes. So... Denton Geyer can't take advantage of that. This year, we have the experience. We have the connection together. We have the bond together. And I definitely think we'll be able to play a lot faster, a lot more physical, and play with a lot more passion. And I think that passion plus limited mistakes will give us the edge over Denton Geyer. For us offensively, um, we got a lot of guys returning on the offensive side of the ball. And... I think we trust in the coach's game plan and just go out and execute and play fast. I think we can handle them. Uh, we can handle their defense. Um, you know, they're very strong up front, and um, we'll, be ha- we'll have to be able to, you know, have a tough O-line to be able to block them. But, you know, they run that 3-2-3 three, three, three st- three, three stack, and 
um, you know, I think we'll be able to take advantage of, advantage of them with the play action and, you know, be able to throw the, throw the ball downfield when we can. But it goes back to, you know, physicality and being able to play smash mouth football because um, I think if we do that, we can handle them because we have the athletes on our side of the ball and we can distribute the ball to different guys. And um, I, think, I think we got a good shot at handling them. I mean, this, but this is why you want to play football for games like this, environments like this. We're expecting a big crowd there at the Collins Complex. But, I mean, this is what – I mean, state championships are what they are and, and riveting playoff games. But even non-district games like this, it has to kind of get your juices flowing a little bit. What do you think, Javon? So I go into all games really excited. I don't take any game more excited than another. Even if this team is 0-12, I'm still excited to get out and get the chance to show – how much I've been working, show the week of practice we've had, show how we're building as a team. And to me, this is just another game. It's just another stepping stone, another building block to strengthen our connection, to show everybody that we're back. And last year, they just got lucky. It shouldn't have been like that. And this is our year. And then Haas, just for playing big games like this. It's, it's good to play in big games like this early on in the season because it, it's, it's just a test of like who your team's going to be. And it, it pays off later on when you get to playoffs and you're playing really tough teams and it's a close game. So um, you're just used to being in those situations when you're you know, playing Longview in the fifth round. You're like, we've been here before. You know, we've played tough competition before. It's nothing to us because we've been in this situation before. And... Um, it's good to just go up against good competition and show who you are as a 5A Division One team and, you know, you know, showing that you can play with the 6A team and, you know, beat them. So, yeah. These are team captains. He's Yvonne Keys. He wears number three. He's Haas Haney. He's, he wears number eight. Don't forget the Bearcats will be playing at Denton Geyer. That's a 7.30 kickoff at the Collins Complex this coming Friday night. You can join us on Hank FM 92.1 with the pregame show at 7 o'clock. The kickoff is at 7.30. Good to see you. Good to see you. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us. Thank you, sir. This reminder that H5 Sports Barn and Nye Physio and Performance can help unlock your athletic potential and elevate your game like the Alito Bearcats with expert sports physical therapy, tailored recovery plans, and top-notch sports performance training. H5 Sports Barn, proud supporters of the Alito Bearcats. We will be back here next Monday night. 7 o'clock is our start, give or take. And again, wherever you get your podcast, you can download this and listen to it throughout the week if there's a part that you missed. And be sure and spread the word about this podcast to other folks so we can have more people in the building. Next week, we hope to maybe take some questions in the written form to be with you all next week. But again, every Monday night here at the Jakes, here the new Jakes in Alito off 1187. Again, we'll be back here next week. I'm Kevin Longquist, voice of the Bearcats. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to the Alito Bearcats Coaches Show podcast, brought to you by H5 Sports Barn in Alito with Bearcats head coach Robbie Jones and the voice of the Bearcats, Kevin Longquist. Please like and subscribe to this podcast and tell a friend. You're also welcome to join us in person every Monday night at 7 from the New Jake's Burgers, 601 FM, 1187 in Alito. And then listen to every Alito Bearcats game, home and away, live on 92.1. Hank FM on the free 92.1 Hank FM app or online at 921hankfm.com. The Alito Coaches Show podcast is a production of real country. Hank FM.